look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Faisal. How about you? It's been a while since I've seen you face-to-face. Yeah. Can we go back to being in our own homes, please? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know about I'm you. Kidding. It's starting I'm to get kidding. a little stir-crazy, though. It's start to talk to people, and they're getting stir-crazy. Yeah, it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how long people can stay in their homes. And now with better weather this weekend and going into next week yep. in this city going to be interesting to see how people react. I know um, when I'm talking to some clients, they're like, do you have to hang up the phone now, Faisal? Can we chat some more? Right. Right. That's normally people chat to hang up the phone right away whenever I call. (laughs) So this is a, this is a different feeling. It's a very different reaction that you normally get. That's right. I want to talk a little bit about the emotional side of that. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make total sense of it, but I had an interesting experience this week that I want to talk about because I think it can impact. There's so many things going on in our minds right now. Um, Again, this is, this is both lifestyle and finance related that I think it can confuse, gets things confused in people's minds and it can um, be difficult uh, from an investment perspective uh, to make proper decisions. So I want to, I'll see if I can, if you can help me make sense sure. of sort of an experience I had. Um, but we're also going to talk uh, about a group of seniors that are that are embracing podcasting, right? Using technology. Let's just talk about technology as a broad. As a in this whole. case, yep. it's podcasting, right? But as a way to stay connected. And and I think we've talked about technology as a solution to the seniors community and healthcare and and all kinds of areas. And yeah. it's, it's just an interesting uh, extension of that. And you know, we're we're hearing more and more in the media about all these. Uh, long-term care facilities and things that are going wrong across the country. Um, It's it's scary times for people. It's scary times for uh, individuals whose parent Mm -hmm. or loved one is in in a home, in a long-term care facility or a retirement facility, and they're wondering, could it happen to them? Mm, I'll put my hand up, right? My mom's in one of those facilities, thankfully. Fingers crossed. There's been no uh, outbreak or issues there. But I got to tell you, there's other issues. Yeah. Right. Um, because she's she's effectively in solitary confinement, and we call her regularly um, because she, she can't get out. They won't let her out. They bring food to their, their her door. door. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so it's it's it's, it's it's a it's a very interesting and very scary time for many people. Yeah. And so we're gonna we're gonna address that and, and get more information on on what do you do and how can you help them when you're from a distance yeah. and so forth. That's gonna be interesting. But let's go to your, let's go to your conversation that you had, Mr. Popovich. You had a uh, a viewer of uh, where we where we uh, broadcast on on TV came to you and said um, he's quite concerned in this email. Yeah, quite concerned. And I I'm smiling because usually I get the uh, the comments by by email or <laughs> tweets or or phone messages. <laughs> Today or this week, you got one. Yeah, so I, I'm just smiling. It's your turn, my friend. So okay. <laughs> let's let's kind of explain what what was the story behind that. So given that this is this again is a lifestyle related show, right? Lifestyle is sort of health and finance in this particular case. And I I was um, I was referring to in this broadcast a poll of Canadians that was done this week, and I'm going to be fairly close here. I don't have the poll in front of me, but about 20% of Canadians that responded to this online poll um, suggested that. In response to the coronavirus, we should stay home um, until there's a vaccination. Okay. Almost 30%, 29%, said stay home until there's no new cases. Okay. Which could actually be longer than a vaccination. Correct. Okay. So um, I had referenced this, and I don't remember my exact wording, but I, you know, likely from, from an economics perspective, 
that's a very difficult proposition to consider. Yep. Okay. So the email that I got back was really very concerned about, you know, that this is a survival event. This is not an economic event. And and they used the word survival. Oh, yeah. No, that, uh, his words in this particular case, survival. And I, I, I've been thinking about it a lot this week because it, 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 speaks to, uh, it speaks to the two things that are going on. This is what I need your sort of help to maybe okay. explain this, okay? But on the one hand, we're, uh, we're all facing this very human event of uh, the coronavirus and the impact that it's having on people um, from a health perspective yeah. and the fear that it raises, okay? Um, and we're reacting emotionally to that. I get it. And then on the other hand, we've got this idea that we've stopped our economy globally, nationally, Right, provincially and locally here, municipally, um, and there's a there's a time limit to that. Yeah. Right. So I've got this health event that's creating anxiety for people that is rooted in the medium to longer term, and we've got these economic issues that are rooted in the short term. And I'm not sure this was this person's issue. His issue was really specific around very binary. This is a health survival event. This is not an economic event. Okay. I don't agree with that. I think that that binary thinking is yeah. unbalanced and it's irresponsible. Um, They're uh, tied together. They They're are tied, tied together, together right? for sure. So there's a balancing act. But but what I was thinking about, Faisal, and here's where sort of I need your thoughts around this, is it it, it demonstrates a, a muddying of the waters, right? So on the one hand, we're trying to say we need to do this to solve uh, a health problem. On the other hand, it may be driving bad economic decisions or financial decisions, yeah. and it may be confusing yeah. people. When you see things like the week before this historic rally, we had you know some pretty good market response this week. It doesn't make sense. Those those two things don't necessarily jive. They're yeah. disjointed. Yeah, right? yeah. They, and know, so there's some confusion. Yeah. So there is confusion. There is a segment of people who believe that this is the end of the world. Right. Right. The word survival means we're all going to die. Yeah. Yeah, and he didn't specifically say that, but he did use the word survival. Right. So this was an, so, almost an extinction-level event he's thinking about, an emotional reaction to Correct. It, right? And so in the event of that mindset, right. I can only empathize by saying this This person said, okay, if we're in it for survival, for mankind, right. around the world, right. then who cares about economics? Let's just save people. Right. I get that completely. I get that completely. Where we have to look at this is the data, the science... Um, is not suggesting this is the end of the world. Right. And I, I'm going to go a little bit. Uh, it's not even about this pandemic because I don't, I don't want to get trapped in the argument of comparing this virus to other viruses to other yeah. things. Okay, yeah. I, I, think, I think that's fruitless. Um, uh, what, what caught me was, was a very binary response, right? Meaning shut everything else down to protect against the coronavirus. But, but listen, I'm, uh, at the top of the hour, we were talking about my mom. I can't imagine the impact it would have on my mom if we put her in solitary confinement for 18 months. Yeah. What are the unintended consequences of that? Forget about economic. Yeah, I'm just this even is, thinking health. This is the argument that people are having. And um, if it impacts you directly, you'll have a view towards it. Yes. So um, my family members in Edmonton were diagnosed with COVID. Right. They were, they're in home, in, in their own home. Uh, it's a family of four and they are they're they're quarantined pretty much in right. their own house. Yeah. How I looked at the coronavirus before and how I look at it now, because I read all the data, yeah. is exactly the same. Right. But how my family members look at it now versus before. Right. Completely different. Right. Because it impacted their own life. Right. Right? So that's where I think when we get to these types of events, and it doesn't have to be COVID, it could be anything that's going on in the world. 
if it impacts you directly, you have a different reaction than if it's if it's not impacting you right. directly. And so individuals who are saying, oh, just open up the economy, let everybody out there, it's only a certain percentage of the population that's dying, blah, blah. They're not impacted the same way as somebody who's family member, loved one, close friend, whatever may have it, and could be on a ventilator. Right. Those are extreme experiences. Right. It all comes from perspective, yeah, right? I so these right. binary viewpoints is a lack of perspective in multiple uh, departments or fashions, right? Yeah. And so I think we need to, our jobs as people on this show and talking to our clients is to provide a broader perspective of how things are. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that we're having this discussion. So when people are going through this stuff and they're feeling so many different things, it's it's good to bounce off your ideas through somebody who can give you a different perspective. Yeah, and it's not just economics, and I think that it's that's not. key. I mean, often we have to talk about economics when we're doing a business report, but it's not. But but my what I want, I, I think what needs to be taken away from this, and this is again is not a coronavirus specific issue, but it's about balance. Life has to remain in balance, and whenever we get to extreme points of view, yeah, and get out of balance, then. There's a bunch of unintended consequences, right? It's it's not that simple. So why is that important? Because I think we're going to be talking about uh, the language is all turned now to how do we, when and how do we partially reopen economies. Germany started doing it. Of course, the Trump administration is talking about it. Trudeau's talking about it. it's weeks now. Remember, he was talking months or maybe the end of the summer. Now we're talking weeks. weeks. Yeah. Right. So we are going to be we are going to be facing that balancing act. Um, you know, over the next coming weeks, literally. And, and this entire shock to the economy, to people's portfolios, to people's health, is something that we need to discuss. Right. And so we're going to talk about how do you manage your retirement right. through this entire type of process? Because this type of market crash, economic uh, destruction could happen again in the future. How do you protect yourself from these types of things in the future? We're having our online webinar on Tuesday, April 21st, 7 p.m., uh, now, this is a live online session with, a, with open question and answers after, but you need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com. Stick around after the break. We want to talk about how technology can keep us connected. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Faisal, we have talked to um, the AgeWell group uh, on a number of occasions. That's right. Um, about technology and how technology impacts the lives of, in particular, seniors. Here's here's yours and my concern when it comes to this whole COVID crisis. Yeah. Both of us have one parent. Yeah. Both of our individual parents are somewhat self-isolated in their own residence, yep. meaning your mother's in a long-term care facility, my dad is at home, yep. um, self-isolated, no significant other beside them, not not involved with a whole bunch of friends or anything near, right. in their same location. Right. Um, we are both concerned, worried, if you want to use that word, on how do we engage them. Yeah. Um, telephone calls are one thing, but there's a whole bunch of technology out there that I know I've tried, you've tried with your mother. Um, I've been trying to dial my father in with FaceTime and Zoom calls, and he gets those words wrong, calls it FaceZoom <laughs> and stuff like that. But I digress. No, the point is that we're trying to engage them. So this is not just a Dave and Faisal issue. Yeah, no, no. There are no, many, no. many individuals whose parents or loved ones are in an isolated situation. How do we use technology? So yep. this is why we wanted to have this segment on the show. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got Dr. Andrew Sixsmith, who's a scientific co-director of AgeWell, which is Canada's technology and aging network. So Andrew, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking some time with us today. I uh, know. Great. Nice to speak to you guys. So let's just maybe open it up right off the off the top. Um, love to get 
your uh, your thoughts around the role that technology plays and is going to play into the future, keeping people connected, particularly in this period of time where we're self-isolating? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the, the present situation with COVID-19 has really highlighted, um, you know, just how we need to keep connected in a time when disconnection is really affecting all of us. Mm-hmm. And it's highlighted many of the problems that, uh, you know, that we know about with older people in the community isolation. Um, I myself, as you can probably tell, I'm originally from uh, from Britain. My mm-hmm. dad, he's got dementia. He's over in the UK. Um, connecting with my dad's a bit of a challenge. Um, you know, so, uh, so so there there are issues around how we how we can improve connection, uh, not just at the moment, but in the future as well. Um, because I think um, if we look at the stats on health. Psychological well-being, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Being socially connected is a major predictor of, of well-being. So right. it's part and parcel of what we need to do. So, um, so, so yeah, there's a what, one of the things that we we've noticed um, in in the present situation is that um, a lot of older adults are now really stepping up to to this challenge. Um, a lot of seniors are able to use technology. They're stepping up to the challenge of, of maybe, um, you know, uh, learning to use technology that they've not used before because uh, the situation is um, is kind of forcing the issue uh, to some extent. And you, men- you mentioned Zoom, um, Skype or Facebook or FaceTime. There's a lot of technologies which are relatively easy to use, which people are now, are now using. It's, you know, it, your situation, my situation is similar in this, in the, respect mm-hmm. that my mother is facing um, is in a home for dementia as well, sometimes challenging to have her remember how to do some of these things. But but beyond that, and maybe there's some, some magic information you have that I'd love to hear about that specific affliction. <laughs> right. But yeah, but I think that, that, you know, if somebody's not tech savvy, Basil, mm-hmm. if there's an older adult, you know, hasn't been used to this before. Correct. Andrew, maybe you can, you've got some thoughts on where somebody could start um, what technology would be the easiest to pick up to create some connection? Uh, yeah, well, um, we, technologies, um, you know, that we use in everyday life, like, um, like, like the smartphone that I'm using now, you know, we, we, first of all, we've got to realize that most older adults in Canada are, are pretty confident in using technology, right? Um, you know, we did, Edward did a poll uh, last year with Environics uh, Research uh, and showed that most people over 65 are feeling confident about using technology and have a strong interest in using technology to stay healthy. So we, we, we do have to get over the idea that all older people are, um, are uh, technophobic, unable to adapt to technology. Clearly, there are certain people um, within the older population who may not have access to the technology, may not have the skills to use it, et cetera, et cetera. So it's those, it's the, it's, uh, as, as you mentioned, like my dad or your, or your uh, parent, um, it's those people that we need to try and uh, bring in and connect using technologies. There, there are solutions around. For example, uh, we have in Agewell um, a, 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 a a, a technology called FamilyNet, which is a, an easy-to-use communication platform that helps older people to 
keep in contact with their family and friends. Um, it's great for older adults uh, with little or no computer um, uh, uh, skills. Um, and indeed, the sort of feedback that we're getting, um, I, I've got a little quote here. For example, we, uh, a 91-year-old veteran who's been using FamilyNet uh, over the last months has told us that he'd, he'd actually feel lost without using it. He, mm. he has profound hearing loss, so he can't use a phone. Uh, he lives in a care facility, which currently co- close to visitors, and he depends on family net to stay in contact with his uh, with his family members. And he shares texts and photos with families and friends. Uh, so it's a very very easy to use um, technology that uh, that that can be uh, given to people um, with ve- with a little bit of help and support when they when they get the. Uh, uh, get the device, uh, then they can start to to use the technology. So it's really more about um, how we can how we can be a bit smarter about helping people to use to to use the technologies that that exist and are around. Andrew, I want to take a couple of minutes to talk about. There's some interesting stories out there of people using technology to get their voice out versus just connecting alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been mm-hmm. hearing more and more older adults uh, getting involved in podcasting. Mm-hmm which is interesting. This show's podcasted, and so we, yeah. we've been doing that for years, and now to see that there are older adults interested, not just communicating, but also posting it and, and uploading it on a podcast is very interesting. What are some of the things that you're hearing about when it comes to podcasting, and why are these, these older adults doing that? Uh, I, I, I've been uh, working with a, a, a seniors uh, center here in Vancouver for, um, for a while now, and uh, they're, they're very um, forward-thinking in the things that they, they want to do and, and started speaking to us about how exactly what you're, you're asking me today about how we can use technology to connect people and, and help and support, particularly those isolated people living in the, in the community. But one of the, uh, one of the things that um, Seniors 411 in, uh, in the downtown east side of uh, Vancouver have been doing who's, who's been uh, getting their, um, their their seniors group to uh, to do podcasts and it's proved extremely um, uh, fant- it must have been fantastic people have been uh, doing this learning new skills they've been mm-hmm. producing it with the help of um, a professional uh, uh, technician um, and this has really energized people um, they're very much into it it's it's something that uh, people have taken on as a project and really um, allows people to highlight issues in their own communities and talk about what's happening in their communities. So giving people a voice who may never have done this sort of thing before, I think, is um, uh, a fantastic thing. Andrew, we're going to have to leave it there. We're quickly running out of time, but I want to thank you very much for your input. And uh, I love the stat that, that you know older adults are not that intimidated Uh, in fact, quite savvy on technology because it's going to be, it is a big proposition going forward. Technology is uh, is going to be one of the mainstays that we have to rely on here. Thank you very much for your time today. You're welcome. We've been joined by Dr. Andrew Sixsmith, who is scientific co-director of AgeWell, which is Canada's technology and aging network. We have to put all this together. We've got to tie technology, lifestyle, fa- finance, all together in our upcoming and our very first webinar that yeah. we're holding next week. So we're week. going to be using technology right to your home or wherever you want to receive this webinar on how do you bulletproof your retirement. That's on Tuesday, April 21st, 7 p.m., live online, but you need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. 
You want to learn how you can help your loved ones while still maintaining social distance? That's what we're going to talk about after the break. Stick around. You're on 770 CHQR in More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR in More Than Money. Uh, Faisal, we've heard a lot of um, uh, a lot of problems in uh, seniors and long-term care facilities. Across this country. Yeah, across the country. Um, they're a, a hotbed of, you know, of the problem and a very exposed population in there so we thought we should do a segment on that and talk a little bit about you know what we can do as people to protect those that are most vulnerable and what's being done to yeah protect there them, is a right? two-way what yeah. can the the family members of the individual who's in those fa- facilities and what's the 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 government side going to be able to do yeah and the healthcare side be able to do so i think that's that's a good conversation to have i think it's important and that's why we have dr jim sylvia as provincial medical director seniors health Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Jim, we've got a bit of a problem, or at least, you know, the media is presenting that we've got a vulnerable population and there are some instances where uh, we've got a problem there. Maybe you could just give us, bring us up to speed on uh, the precautions that are being put in place to to protect those most vulnerable, you know, during this time. Sure. So early on in the process, it became apparent that this was a disease that has significant implications for people who are older or who have chronic illnesses. And we recognize that people in our congregate care settings, which include long-term care and supportive living and others, are much at risk if they are exposed to COVID and develop an infection with COVID. So early on, the um, uh, steps that we took were to consider how best to try to protect COVID from actually getting into any of our sites. Um, And that has led to a series of progressive restrictions that have been put in place. So, for example, people are very well aware that we have limited visitors. And that's not because we want to be difficult. It's because we know that visitors are out in the real world and coming in um, and will bring in with them what they've been exposed to. And and it's one of our key strategies for trying to keep COVID out of our settings. One of our others now is that we are restricting staff to only working at one site because we also are aware that staff who travel between sites could potentially take COVID with them. And we don't obviously want to have somebody who has been exposed to COVID, bringing that into a site uh, who is a staff member that works there. We've also um, looked at what we need to do when a site does have somebody who tests positive, either as a resident or as a staff member, and there's been a fair amount of work done around what the containment, as we call it, is is that needs to be put in place to prevent the infection from spreading within the facilities. And that has actually been fairly successful in many of our facilities, even though we recognize that there are some where um, it has been more widespread and, and regrettably, of course. And unfortunately, there have been some deaths. What um, I'm going to extend the conversation just a little bit. That's care <coughs> facilities. Uh, but Faisal, you know, at the top of the hour, you're talking about your dad is an example. Home, he's he's home uh, alone, home, and yeah. there'll be people that have home care coming in. Um, and Jim, maybe you can speak to that. Are there different precautions? Are there different um, issues that 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 presents versus, say, a long-term care facility? Sure. Um, So uh, we recognize that people who are receiving home care equally may be vulnerable um, because they have underlying chronic conditions and are susceptible to COVID and to the the, um, uh, complications that come from COVID. So uh, this is evolving, but what we had put in place early on was that there would be what we call an ILI uh, screen at the door. So somebody's being screened for an infectious disease. Um, And if they were screened positive, then appropriate precautions, including use of personal protective equipment on the part of the home care 
uh, worker would be put in place. That has now been extended, and we are now masking, and that should be in place across the province. It was supposed to be fully implemented by, I believe, yesterday or the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be in place, and the mask is really there to help to protect both the worker and the um, and the resident who is being seen to uh, try to prevent spread of COVID into that environment. We are screening at the door for not only the person that we're seeing, but also for other family members or others who may be in the house, because obviously they also could be um, a potential source of, of COVID infection. So that's uh, that's where we have gotten to at this point in time, in terms of uh, how we're trying to protect people who are receiving home care. We recognize that this may well evolve over time as we learn more about this infection and how it spreads. How, how is that all set up for the home care side? Is it the home care professional who's getting this all set up with the ILI or is it, like, how, do, how do people, how do homes know this? So it's an ILI screen. So when I get to the door, so if I'm a home, if I'm going to be coming in to provide a home care service and I'm phoning you to set up an appointment, I will do a questionnaire over the phone with you to determine whether or not there are some risks that may be um, apparent. If the and ILI stands for influenza-like illness, just I didn't say that earlier and should have. Um, so they'll screen for an ILI. If there is nothing positive, then they will go out to do the visit, but they will be masked when they do the visit. And when they get to the door, they will again repeat some basic questions to ensure that there's not been a change from the time the visit was being booked. Not all visits are booked over the phone. Uh, there are regularly scheduled visits from workers that occur. And in those circumstances, they will do the screen when they get to the front door and they will, before they come in, they will ask the questions and the real intent of that is so that if they need to do something beyond masking, they then can go back to their vehicle, get what they need to um, in terms of personal protective equipment to come into the home, and then they will come into the home and provide the service. I can just imagine when there's the t- time that we can actually just do a, an actual test, mm-hmm. not just a questionnaire. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, it's like a diabetes check. You get a prick of your finger and you can find out right away. If, when we get something like that, uh-huh, something that can be tested in the home. Yep. Then you know your family members can see you. You know if your your health mm-hmm. professional can see you. I think that's where it'd be interesting to see what what happens. Um, Jim, when it comes to the other side of things, now let's talk about family members and individuals. What can we do to help out our members of our family that might be in a long term care facility, home care, whatever it may be? In some cases, I'm hearing that some uh, some individuals want to pull their parents or loved ones out of a long-term care facility. Take because, them home. Take them home because they're scared, right? Sure. So w- what do individuals do at this point? Sure. So there's several questions there. Um, if we are, uh, as, an, as a family member, it depends on the... the um, environment that I'm going into. So if I'm seeing another family member at home who's on home care, if I'm sick, I better not be going over there because you don't know what you're sick with and you don't know if you're going to infect the person who we're trying to protect. On the other hand, if you're looking at a long-term care or a congregate site, we have restricted visitors now to what we're calling essential visitors. So uh, people who can be designated to come in if they're needed to provide some care for an individual that can't be provided by the center um, or when somebody is dying. And we are still trying to better identify what it means when somebody is dying. And it sounds like that should be a simple concept, and it's not. Uh, when you start looking at it, it is critically important that visitors 
recognize and respect the fact that the limitations are there for a reason, and it truly is to try to protect not only their loved one, but also others who may be living in the same place as, um, as their loved ones. In terms of taking people home, there has been a lot of discussion, and I'm sure people are aware that there were statements made a, a week or two back about taking people, taking your loved one out of a care center. Uh, there was another radio show that was on on Thursday where the question was asked about whether or not that was appropriate in Alberta and BC, and the, the person, the expert who was on the line said it's a bit of a different situation out here because we have been more successful in containing the outbreaks in many of our centers. Having said that, I know there's fear out there, and if you do want to take your loved one home, there are some things that you truly need to consider before you do that, one of which is the amount of care that will be required and where that care could be accessed. And so we are making the recommendation that you don't take somebody out unless you've had a thorough discussion and truly understand what you're doing. Um, and what the requirements are going to be with the care team and with the site that you want to uh, to take your, your loved one home from. I think that is super important Absolutely. message to take away. This is about planning and preparation, right? Um, yep. And it's about balance. We've talked about this on a number of occasions. There are some risks no matter what you do, but yep. you need to balance the entire equation out before you take action, Jim. I think that is right on the money. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. We've been joined by Dr. Jim Silvius, who's the Provincial uh, Medical Director for Seniors Health. You know, Dave, this is the time where people are worried about some of their financial issues in retirement with long-term care, yep. home care. Yep. How do you pay for all that? Yep. Things like this happen. How do we take care of that? How do we actually have these, these concepts and, more importantly, dedicate assets to protect your health care in the future as costs may, may be incurred? We'll talk about that on Tuesday, April 21st, 7 p.m., live online but you have to register. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com. If your portfolio's really been hit during this period, how do you fix it? Stick around after the break. We're going to talk about that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Faisal, you had a couple of interesting calls today, and I want to give um, sort of set it up a little bit, but these are from people whose portfolios have been really hammered, yeah. Re- really some damage done, calling to figure out what, how do I fix this? Yeah, people who've been listening or watching us uh, have been calling out, asking for second opinions and so forth. And I, I had a very interesting call from a gentleman who who basically had a lot of his portfolio in um, in energy. Yeah. And we know that the energy stocks have been somewhat hammered. Yeah. Uh, and so he's like, so now I need to find something else, Faisal, to recover that loss. Interesting. I need to find something else to do that. Yeah. Right? So I know that the energy sector may not do, but let's let's load up on something else. Right. Um, and he, they're actually adding more risk. Well, that's what he's asking you to do. Can you do something that yeah. will recover my portfolio? Right. But I need you to do it right away. Right. Like we can't. We can't. We don't have years. Right. And so the the the, the conversation started that way and. You and I have always talked about this. There's a there's a process you need to go when you have a major shock to your portfolio. There is a checks along the way you have to have or or, or a, a, a review of things that you need to do before you make any decision on your portfolio. Right. And so, you know, you end up going at the fork in the road. And so I wanted to take some time, you know, that we can kind of go through that process because there's going to be many people listening to this. Yep. Uh, or watching this on uh, on social media, who are who whose portfolio has taken a large hit. Right now, large is a relative word. Yep. 
right? It could be negative 10%, negative 30%. This person was negative 45%. Right. Okay. Um, so it doesn't matter what the percentage drop is. If it's big to you, right. what do you do? Right. Right. So what's step number one, Dave? What, what should we do? I think people need to hear this because they, they're going to react and it could be literally the wrong decision they're making, which could have capital destruction for their future. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, the first place that you've got to go, you can't anchor to the past, right? So my first piece of advice is, is start today, okay? So you pull out your assets list and you get an inventory of what you have today. And then Faisal... Start today and do a plan. Like you, you actually need to say, can I do it? Can I achieve my, in this case, retirement goals with what I have today? Yeah. And Not what this, I had three months ago, yeah, what I this have today. Is, exactly. This is the problem that people will do. They'll go looking for a solution before analyzing what the real problem is. Correct. And so they need to do a financial calculation. Yeah. This is the one time that I'll say it's not a full retirement plan you need to do. This is the time you just need to do a financial calculation. And that financial- As a minimum. As a I, minimum. I still say you need to do a plan, yeah. but as a minimum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just to see on, on, do you have, first of all, enough capital to support your lifestyle for the rest yeah. of your life? Yeah. So you have to do the calculation. You have to figure out how much assets you have, your asset list like you were worrying about or you were mentioning about. How much of those, those assets are dedicated for retirement? Right. Because some assets may not be part of your retirement capital required. Right. Yeah. And then determine using a conservative number. Don't use 10% per year for the next 30 years. Right. Use a conservative rate of return and a conservative way of looking at inflation. Let's use 2%. Yeah. And go from there and see how, mu- how long will your money last. Right. Can it work? Right. And now you're at the fork in the road. That's right. So that brings you that. You do the analysis first. The analysis will either tell you you have enough today to get you through retirement with the goals that you have. Could you imagine your portfolio has dropped whatever percent and you look at the the, the retirement plan and go, wow, I'm still okay. There are lots of people that that will be okay. We did that, that for happen. a client That's this right. week. Yeah. And they're like, oh, thank God. Like, I just came to you. The markets fell. You've crunched the numbers. And I'm okay? Right. I'm okay. Oh, thank God. Right. That's a different experience than we got to recover. We got to hurry up. Right. Now, here's the fork. So in some cases, it's going to say you can do it. In some cases, it's going to say you can't. Correct. So let's go down that path. Okay. What if you can't? If you can, good. You can make your decision on that, and you can you can protect, structure, and discipline, and move forward. Right. You've learned your lesson from taking on too much risk. Right. Okay. Let's move forward from there. Let's go down the, 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 uh, the second path of where it doesn't work out. Yeah. You do your retirement plan, and you go, oh, right. I don't have enough. Right. There are choices. There are choices. There's a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. Are you prepared to take on less, meaning or, yeah, income? Yeah. Need, need less in terms Delay of lifestyle. Delay your retirement, yeah. whatever, yeah. save, whatever it may be, yeah. to get to your goal. Go back to work, work longer. Correct. There's a whole bunch right. of, of, of options, right. and you have to kind of rule which ones are out or yeah. not based on your circumstance. But what if after you've done that, it still doesn't work out? Mm-hmm. Or what if the portfolio has been, has been hammered so hard well, let's assume let's assume that you you're retired. You don't want to go back to work, or, or you, can't, or can't. Yeah. Okay, and so, uh, and you don't want to reduce your lifestyle. Yeah, this is this is why we did this business. That's right. This is why we joined up together because this is what we don't want people to experience. Right. But unfortunately, there are people who are going to be experiencing that. Right. Right. So so so, Dave, what do we do? What what, what does what do we so do? So let's when let's some... talk about the choices, right? So so if you have a portfolio that has been um, beaten down more than what. You're comfortable with. Yeah, you're comfortable with or, or you know, you need. 
then you can stay. The, one of your options, you stay the course, stay with that strategy and ride it out. And that was the conversation I had with this gentleman. Right. I said, if you stayed the way you're invested mm -hmm. and it takes five, seven, 10 years to recover, mm -hmm. what's the big deal? Right. What's the impact to you? Right. Right. And so you have to explore that. That's one option. Just stay you, the course. You do have to explore that, right? And you have to explore the positions too, Correct. right? So, you know, uh, what happens if it's an oil and gas portfolio? What happens with each of those individual positions? Do they survive? Correct. Right? Yeah. Okay. But that's that's one option. That's one Stay option. Stay the course. That's not the recommendation that we're saying. We're saying that's an option. Well, you mean... We, that, we're only going to provide options. Yeah. There's no... Uh, yeah. Option number two, mm -hmm. reconfigure your portfolio. Correct. Reconfigure your portfolio. And here's where I, I come from, the school of thought of the investments that I bought that, that have gone down. And even I've done that. I've, I've, I've taken some hits in the portfolio. Um, are they the only companies that you can deal with? They're the only strategy and portfolio you can deal with for the rest of your life? Yeah, that's interesting. So so let's call that a spade a spade there. Are you married to yeah. positions? Yeah. Okay. Are you emotionally attached to a certain company or a holding that you have? Because there's lots of companies in the world. So if you can't hold it out, can you look at alternatives that are out there? Right. Alternatives to the portfolio that you have. And I use the word portfolio, not individual picks. Mm -hmm. Because it's it, all of your assets. Remember, we were doing a collection of assets to determine what you have for retirement. It's not one position. You may have one stock that's down whatever percent, 45%, like yep. I mentioned before. That doesn't mean your entire portfolio has to stay the same. Right. You may want that one position because you're married to it. I always challenge people on right. that. Right. Like, why are you married to investments? Why aren't we just looking at this as a means to an end? <laughs> yes, they're just assets, right? Right, they're just assets, right. and, and you have the ability to move your assets anywhere around the world, Yes, and that's the one investment you want to have? Right. Are you sure you want to do that? Right. Right. So, so it's it's the relative analysis, and I think this is, remember what we said, don't don't anchor to the past, right? Which is super hard, right? This is behavioral finance. It happens to everybody. Correct. You have to start anchor fresh. This. Today, ask yourself the question today, is this the portfolio or are these the positions I'd own if I had new money to put in today? Start with that question. Yeah. And you might be surprised what you come up with. Correct. Okay. Now, if you want to rejig the portfolio, you can rejig a portfolio in a number of ways. Let's say you're heavily equity focused. Let's say it's 100% stock in your portfolio. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what you may be doing is if you decide that that's not the portfolio you want to hold, I'm going to rejig it. The first decision you'll make is, do I want to carry a 100% equity level exposure? Knowing what the risk you've experienced. Right. Because the stock market has already fallen 35% peak to trough. Yeah, correct. So can you handle that volatility? If you cannot handle that volatility, now, now it's gut check time. Right. So this is why taking, getting the advice, sitting down with a team, looking at strategy, discipline, and structure will help along the way. So I, want, I wanted to just explore this with people, Dave, because I think... Okay, but let me, uh, let me finish with one thing because we're quickly running out of time. Okay. Okay, the context of the, making that decision still comes back to the plan. You gotta know your numbers and the goals yeah. before you do that. Don't sit down independent of that and just start willy-nilly and make these decisions. You yeah. gotta... You need a context for that conversation. Amen I can't, to that. Yeah, I can't stress that enough. Okay, Amen we gotta to wrap up this segment. But, so we're gonna talk about structure yeah. and discipline. Yeah. We're gonna talk about how you structure your retirement assets so you can bulletproof your retirement and we're going to do a live online webinar on tuesday april 21st 7 p.m now you need to register so go to morethanmoneyradio.com that's morethanmoneyradio.com to register thanks for tuning in to another edition of more than money on 770 chqr stay healthy we look forward to chatting with you next week
David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.